Hey everyone, this is Pastor Seth. We had a bit of a technical difficulty this last weekend in recording the message portion of the gathering, so I wanted to be sure that I still got it recorded so that those who follow along are still able to listen to it and follow along with us. So with that, let's dive right in to week three of Advent and week three of our series, Heaven on Earth. It's been a really great series so far. Um, if you would like to listen to the, the first two weeks of this series, they are also available on the podcast, or if you're listening right on our website, then just scroll down to the last dates. We started things off on December 2nd of this Advent series. But last week, we looked at John the Baptist's announcement of Jesus Christ coming. Um, we, we talked about how the kings and government officials of that day, um, of, of the time of Christ, if they were ever going to survey their land or tour their land to see who was living there, what kind of assets they might have had, then what those kings did is they sent people ahead of them in order to prepare the people for the king that was going to come. These people were called couriers, and they essentially went ahead of the kings and said, hey, the king is going to be here in a few days. Clean up your houses and clean up your fields and, and prepare to see the king. Uh, the king is going to be coming to, to see you, see what he has. And in the same way, John the Baptist was one who was chosen by God to um, go before Jesus Christ and prepare the people, prepare for the arrival of this new king, King Jesus. And we kind of summarized John's ministry by saying that John's overall message was to say, a new king is coming and he wants to see everyone. And that simple phrase says a couple of different things. And it says things that, that Luke knows. And it says things that John the Baptist knows as well, is that a kingdom unlike any other is coming because Jesus is a king unlike any other. And it's a kingdom that all are invited to participate in. But what we specifically looked at last week was Luke chapter 3, starting at verse 1. The, the first two verses of Luke chapter 3, Luke opens that chapter in a pretty unique way where he just kind of lays out the, the current political structuring of Jerusalem and the surrounding area where he names several different politicians, governors, rulers of that day. And, and it's, it's kind of confusing on the surface because, you know, it, it's not common for the, the biblical authors, particularly in the New Testament, to talk extensively about, you know, this person was king, this person was governor, this person was an official. But Luke does that. And what we talked about last week is, is the fact that the coming of Jesus had significant implications on the, the social and political structuring. Because what takes place when Jesus inaugurates this new kingdom is that he is essentially giving an opportunity for people to give their allegiance to someone else and something else. And you could imagine that if you were in power in that time, that that would be pretty disruptive, that you would have large groups of people who said, 
I'm not really interested in who my governor is anymore. I'm much more interested in this Jesus. Um, and, and so that's what's happening. So the coming of Christ has these direct implications on the social and political structures of the time of Christ. But what we want to talk about today, in addition to social implications, is that the coming of Christ, of course, has significant spiritual implications as well. Now, if you've been uh, participating in in church for a while, then you have heard this idea of salvation, and you have heard about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, salvation that we receive from Christ. And so today, we're going to be kind of honing in on this idea that Jesus has become our true salvation. Now, it's interesting to find out and to learn and to really consider that the concept of salvation is not exclusive to religion. And for the purposes of our talk here, salvation is not exclusive to Christianity by any means. This is what I mean by that, is the themes of redemption, rescue, forgiveness, deliverance, These are feelings, these are seasons that people from all walks of life at any point in their lives perhaps get to, is where you get to a point in your life where you just need saving. This is not a feeling that is exclusive to those who would call themselves Christians. This is something that people from all walks of life all over the earth experience is there's a certain circumstance, a certain situation where they feel like they need saving from it. And so salvation is quite a universal feeling or rather more than a feeling, but a desire or something that we seek as people. It comes with the territory of being human. In fact, is this idea of salvation is just kind of a theme that continues to repeat itself through the course of history for all people, regardless of religion or spiritual lives or anything like that. So interesting to consider those things. Um, but we want to we want to talk about salvation on a couple of different levels here when we are talking about kind of how this manifests itself in the human experience. Um, of course, uh, for a lot of you who might be listening to this, and maybe not all of you, but Perhaps most of you listening to this have have definitely experienced and found salvation on a spiritual level, on an eternal level, um, where we're where we're talking about how when when we choose to follow Christ here on this earth is is when our eternity with Him begins. To where eternity doesn't necessarily begin after we die, but eternity has indeed begun now here on earth, but. We also see that salvation is very much a temporary thing that we seek and desire as well. This is what I mean by that is consider the last time that you needed saving from that situation. Consider the last time that you needed saving from that circumstance, that relationship. Um, So while we have found salvation from an eternal perspective... We also see that salvation is very much something that we experience, perhaps not 
day to day or week to week, but certain seasons of our lives, we find ourselves needing temporary rescue as well. And the reason we're talking about salvation this week is because salvation is one of the massive underlying themes of Advent. Um, What we find in the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament is that well before Jesus's arrival, um, the nation of Israel, God's people, were looking for and longing for a Messiah. They were longing for a Savior. They were longing for salvation, for hope. And what we have to do as the church, as we discuss Advent here and now, today, 2018, is we need to take the stories of um, the past, well into the past, but we also need to apply these things to our lives today and realize, yeah, we we long for the same Messiah as well. We long for the same saving. So we see this play out in the Old Testament, the different prophetic books, and we've read from a few of the different prophets during this series, where we see people longing for a king, um, people who really, really desire a human to sit in a human throne in order to rule the people. Um, Because it was thinking that, man, if we could just get someone to be our king, then everything would fall into place. We would have a ruler, we would have governance, and things would be good. But if you're familiar with the Old Testament at all, man, kings did great and then they failed and did great and then they failed and did great and then they failed and there you could imagine this roller coaster these ups and downs of kings being what the people want and kings not being at all what the people want and there's this long history of kings um, being great and then falling short being great and then falling short and so what god's people this nation of israel eventually does is they turn to handmade images and a word that we use for that is idols where humans turn from people being their salvation and they turn towards things, whether it is a handmade idol, whether it is the acknowledgement of multiple gods, or whether it is different logics and ideologies. People went to all different areas and walks of life in order to find ways where they could be saved, in order to find their salvation in all of these different people, or all of these different things. Now, a passage of scripture that we have been looking at this entire series is John chapter 1, verse 14, and it says, God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so what we learn here, once again, is a reason why God did indeed come down to earth. If you've memorized any passage of scripture, most likely you have memorized John 3.16, where it says, God so loved the world that he gave himself um, and, and spent time down in it. And it's that theme of love that we see coupled with this longing for a Messiah, is when God saw the world and saw groups of people that were lost and exhausting different resources that just weren't cutting it, And when they were crying out for a Messiah and turning to all of these different ways of finding salvation, God didn't look down on the world and say, oh, these poor, helpless people, I need to go save them. He didn't look down and say, I need to go fix this. No, he looked down 
in love with love and he dwells among us because of his great love for us. And so what I'd like to do, if you're going to be following along at all, our, our key passage today is going to be from Isaiah chapter 12. Um, Isaiah is one of our prophets that's seen in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to read a short passage from Isaiah chapter 12. And then I'd like to present to you three, what we're going to call salvation shifts that we need to make when we shift from an understanding of what salvation looks like in the world and in the broader culture and what the salvation of Christ looks like. So allow me to read this passage from Isaiah, and then we're going to work through these three salvation shifts when it comes to salvation from the world and salvation from Jesus Christ. So this is what Isaiah chapter 12, verses 2 through 6 says. It says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. And proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. So that's going to be our key passage today, and I'd like that to lead our discussion on three salvation shifts. And the first one is this, a shift in thinking. And the key verse here from this passage is verse 2, where Isaiah says, I will trust. You see, under an archaic understanding of salvation, there was a strong focus on salvation needing to be earned. That's our key word, is earned by the one who was seeking out salvation. What this ended up looking like was this repetitive cycle of sacrifices of either money, or if you were a farmer, you would sacrifice portions of your crops, or um, you would sacrifice an animal, uh, whether you raised animals or just needed to purchase one in order to sacrifice it. There's this repetitive cycle of sacrifices being offered at the temples that yield approval from priests. But let's say that you didn't seek out your salvation in a religious sense, where you didn't find yourself at the temple. What you probably did was you sought out salvation and pardon from government officials and at that time, soldiers. So I, I want us to do something. If, if you're listening along and you feel like it, if you can, go ahead and make a fist or, or both of your hands, make them into fists, ball them up, and squeeze as tight as you can for, for the entire time that I'm talking. Try, try and do this. Just keep your hands tight. So when we have to earn everything, when we feel like everything that we have needs to be earned by us, including our salvation, then we tightly grip everything that we have. 
we put up parameters, we draw lines, and we become an anxious mess. <laughs> and and notice this, if you if you're still making a fist, your hands are starting to hurt, aren't they? Because if you feel like you have to earn your salvation every time that you receive it, then you probably want to hold tight to it once you earn it. But this is exactly what the salvation of Jesus Christ offers us. Go ahead and start opening up your hands. Yeah, that feels a lot better, doesn't it? (laughs) This is an easier way to have our hands. Because... The salvation of Jesus Christ is not something that we earn, but it is something that is freely given to us, and all we have to do is receive and trust it. So when we're talking about the salvation of Jesus Christ, we have to move from a focus of our earning potential and shift towards a focus on trusting in the one who offers us salvation. This is what the rest of verse 2 says in in Isaiah chapter 12. It says, I will trust, and beyond that, I will not be afraid that you won't have salvation today or tomorrow. But we move from a place where we have to earn it, and we can move from a comfortable place of just trusting that God's salvation is there for us. So that's our first shift, to shift in thinking where we move from earning to trusting. The second shift is this. It's a shift in receiving. Verse 3 says this, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In the systems of salvation before Christ, or perhaps even the systems that we set up for ourselves today, receiving salvation was largely contingent upon the source. This is how it played out in the time of Christ or the times before Christ, is if your salvation was found in a person, then you would need to continue to work towards appeasing that person, whether it was a soldier or a king or a priest or some kind of other official. Your salvation was contingent on them being perhaps generous with you that particular day or patient with you that particular day. And this is the trap that we get into if we seek our salvation in a relationship or a finite thing or a habit or a cycle, is that there is always a threat that that salvation could just simply run dry. Is that the person is no longer patient, we've been forgotten, or the habit is no longer getting it done, or the cycle that we're in is just not getting it done. Now, imagine with me, if you would, that you were in a position in life where you were seeking your salvation from a person. There's an actual person that you continually needed to go to in order to receive forgiveness, in order to feel as though you have been saved and delivered and redeemed. Imagine the hundredth time that you went to that person. Let's say it's the hundredth time in six months where it feels like a couple times a week on the week you are going to the same person to receive forgiveness, to to go find your affirmation. On that hundredth time, could you imagine some of the emotions that you would be feeling the hundredth time in six months that you have sought out salvation from this person? 
could you imagine that you would perhaps experience some shame and some humility, excuse me, humiliation and fear and anxiousness and worry? You could imagine walking into the back of this massive throne room. You walk in the door and how would you approach that throne? Your head would be down. You'd be hunched over. You'd walk slowly and cautiously, not wanting to make eye contact with the person that you're seeking salvation from is because there's so much shame in the fact that you had to seek salvation so many times in recent memory. You're experiencing this level of shame. However, the salvation of God, oh, something completely different. And this is such great news for us is that it is not a, it's not, it's not found in a person that may or may not have patience with us. But what the scriptures tell us is that God's salvation is a deep well and that well never runs dry and we can approach it with joy I want to say this is God is not a, the God of a guilt trip and he will never use guilt as a tactic in his plan or purposes for our lives. So when we approach God, when we receive his salvation, we do not need to do it with guilt. We do not need to continually run to God and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The only thing that God is asking us to do is receive his salvation and understand that we can receive it with joy and not shame and that God does not need to be feared. Yeah, that's really good news. It's really, really good news. So our first two shifts here, shift in thinking, a shift in receiving. Our third shift when we're talking about salvation is a shift in sharing. Verse 5 says this, let this be known to all the world. When we have to earn our own salvation or when salvation is very much contingent upon a singular person or habit or ideology, when our work delivers salvation, then when people start talking about salvation, you, you could imagine that you would start hearing phrases like, I will worry about me and you can worry about you. And I fear as though we have made salvation a deeply personal, a deeply individual, a deeply private experience where we even today perhaps say, I'm just worried about keeping myself saved. I don't have enough headspace to worry about you. That is not the conversation around salvation that we find in the scriptures. Isaiah says, this good news is to be known to all the world, to every single person on every single side of every single train track, that neighborhood, that zip code, from that country, from that walk of life, from that place in society, all people are to experience the salvation. And when we have to talk about our shift in sharing, we move from a place where we're so preoccupied with our salvation, where we finally are able to trust. And we are able to believe that God's salvation is a deep well that we can approach with joy. Then we are able to move outside of our own little bubbles and we are able to participate in other people receiving the same salvation as, as well. 
there is this shift in sharing from private to public that we need to experience. So friends, I'd like to sum all of this up with one particular phrase. And the phrase is this, is that God extends salvation to the world by choosing to dwell in the world. And this is what we have been talking about this entire series, our Advent series called Heaven on Earth, is that the light of the world has come and he can be trusted and that the hope of the world has come and we can approach him with joy and not shame. Because this is the good news. This is the good news, is that because of the life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, life can be made new for us here on earth. John 3.16, we talked about it earlier. God so loved the world, he sent himself down and he dwelled with us. Then we jump to John 1.14. God choosing to dwell with us is God saying that his salvation is for all of us. So I want to say this to you. If you're listening to this and um, you have not yet for yourself said yes in a meaningful way to the salvation of Christ, receiving such a salvation. See, last week we talked about John the Baptist and we only got through verse 6 of Luke chapter 3. But if we were to go back to Luke 3, starting at verse 7, we see people flocking to him from all different walks of life, hearing a good news that was never heard before, wanting to receive a good news. And so these groups of people asked, what do we do about this? John the Baptist says, repent and be baptized with water. And it's this practice of baptism that John the Baptist experienced. Jesus Christ himself was baptized, and we read about the importance of baptism all throughout the New Testament. This idea of being lowered into a, a pool of water, representing how we are being cleaned because of the salvation of Jesus Christ. So if you're listening to this, and you perhaps today for the first time, or have before, received this beautiful gift of salvation and have not yet been baptized, I want to invite you to be baptized and say this, what are you waiting for? Baptism is such a beautiful moment where you, someone who has chosen to make Jesus the Lord of your life, choose to turn from a way that you've been living and turn towards him. Allow him to guide your paths and steps. What we do as the church is we make it a special occasion where we gather together and people who have chosen to receive the salvation are baptized, brought down into water, representing that we are being cleaned in whole by the love of Christ and lifted up out of that water new and fresh and realizing that our life has been made new and our life has been made clean here on earth because of the love of and salvation of Jesus Christ. So I'll say this, if you're listening to this and you are you you would consider yourself part of the Reachway Church family, I want you to know something is that we are going to be baptizing people the last Sunday of this year. I believe it's January uh, December 30th of this year in just a couple of weeks we are going to be baptizing people. So if you're listening to this and you're a part of the Reachway family, and you would like to be baptized, would you please reach out to Reachway Church? You can email us at info at reachway.org. Um, you can find me the next time you're at Reachway. Reach out to us somehow, 
If you are ready to be baptized, what a beautiful thing. And if you're listening to this and um, maybe you're not part of the Reachway Church family, um, maybe you're part of a different church family or not part of any church family, I would invite you, if, if the salvation of God that we have talked about in this talk is something that is compelling you, I would encourage you, find a local church to be a part of, meet the people, and let them know that you're ready to be baptized and say to the world, I am choosing to receive the salvation as my own. Because, friends, the salvation of Christ is unlike any other. It, it completely changes how we think, how we receive, and how we share it. And it completely changes how we live. So I want to thank you for listening to week three of our series. Um, we're going to keep on recording these and, and putting them out there. So thank you for listening, um, and we'll talk to you guys soon.